Well, I'm very uh, glad for what's gone on here this morning already. Uh, I wonder when we had the presentation for international students at UNR in Reno. That's a good thing. But yet, here, here comes Dale Young, and he, he gives a personal testimony about what's happened that's related to it. How many of you got excited about that? Okay. Don't we like to hear about somebody coming to salvation in Jesus Christ? I want to be an encouragement in this way because... We as a church, it's very easy for us as a congregation to get into a, um, into a way of life that really doesn't bring about a whole lot of stories like that. We don't have a lot of stories like that. There's concern about how we're doing. There's concern about what's happening. Um, concern over... Accidents and hospital stays and uh, additions to the family, uh, all those kind of things. Those are very much, imp- those are very, very important issues of our life. But in some way, Lord, uh, work in our hearts to bring about more stories of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And the song that Mark's saying, you know, that's that's exciting because we want to be able to say to someone, hey, thank you for being a good example to me. And thank you for sharing the message of salvation with me. But we always have to come back to what, folks? The fact that God did it. God started it. God wrought it. He brought it about. And it's for His glory. I like to hear about change in this way. I like to hear about change in someone's life that they say, you know, I'm done with this. That was pulling me down. That was messing me up. I'm done with it because Jesus has shown me in his word how I can have victory over it and how I can overcome it. Anyone in here relate to that? See, all of us are in the same boat when it comes to things like struggling with things. We're all in the same boat. And yet, some of us are trying to do the self-effort job on patching things up. And when we do it that way, we find uh, that in the end, it, it never did work. It was out of my own strength, out of my own effort, out of my own good um good works, you know. But when we realize that it's about Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God working in our lives to bring about change, you know what happens then? It lasts. Because it's of God. And the question is, are you, you know, it's like which which angle are you taking it with? Are, Are you going to Jesus? Are you trying to yourself are you trying to make change happen yourself um that story about the you know the self-reformation of that person that you know in in matthew um where jesus talks about how the the demon left the household and went off and and uh 
was roaming about in, in uh, waterless places, right? And came back with seven more to find the place swept and clean. Remember that? And it's like that's the picture of you and I trying to clean things up without the help of God in our lives. So it, it, the point of this is, you know, we're going to be talking today about gospel authenticity. Gospel authenticity. It's not the uh, off-brand kind of thing. Okay? And we think of your, you know, some of these uh, clothes that we get. You know, there's the really, ooh, this is the top brand. And this is the authentic Levi jeans. Authentic. And it costs you an arm and leg to buy them. And here's the Walmart brand. Or the Savers brand or whatever. <laughs> it's like, you know, that's one thing we can relate to. What's the authentic brand of Christianity? See, the gospel of Jesus Christ is given to bring about change in your life. And not just from 20 years ago or 30 years ago or whatever year ago that you came to faith in Christ. The gospel isn't just a, a one-shot deal. It's supposed to continue changing our lives. It's the Spirit of God within us. And the letter of 1 Thessalonians is commending these believers for being a model church. Okay? So in this letter, we could say, we have a standard given to us to measure ourselves by. And don't go thinking that this is, oh, well, these guys were a higher level of Christianity or a deeper level of Christianity. Or these guys were the elite group. Super Christians. No, this was normal Christian living. It's normal. And I know that in our minds, because I do it too, I tend to do it too, and just because I tend to do it too doesn't mean you do it, but we have a tendency to do this. Classify Christians. Oh, man, you know, Bill Gunn, man, that guy, you know. And he'll tell me, you scurvy dog. Because <laughs> he says he's a scurvy dog. But you know how we do that? We, we put Christians up here like, oh, they're really, oh, wow. Wow, they do it so good. And then, well, I'm better than that guy. <laughs> you know how we grade it that way. But see, this is not what the Bible is push, uh, portraying at all for us and picturing for us. The Bible tells us what the gospel accomplishes in a believer's life. Therefore, we say, here's gospel authenticity. Because what does the gospel bring about and accomplish in a person's life? Well, here it is. No, point number one is, it's what the gospel produces. What the gospel produces. Follow along as I read this passage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 6 and 7. Look at it. You became, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord. Having, what? Received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Okay? So, what the, it's about what the gospel produces. And that's 
what we say is the gospel is about life. The gospel isn't just merely a story. It's about life. It's not just an old-fashioned thing here. Okay? What the gospel produces, letter A, is faithful followers. Faithful followers. And the word is imitators. That's the word he uses in most... Uh, that's the one we find in most translations of the Bible. Imitators. Okay? And so, imitate is the word mimitas. Mimitas. Okay? To imitate, to mimic, to mime. Okay? That's the word. And notice what made them imitators. Look at the verse. What, did, what made them imitators? Having received... The word in much tribulation. That, that put them in that category now. Now they're faithful followers. They're imitators. Mark down Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Okay, Very important uh, reference for us there. About how they followed. Okay, And um, let me just mention this here. I want to say this so that we get a, a, a comparison out there, okay? Things that do not make you a follower. Things that do not make you a follower. Uh, I'll just say, you know, okay, giving money. Giving money to a church during offering time. That doesn't make you a follower. Owning a Bible. That doesn't make you a follower. Being baptized. That does not make you a follower. Attending church does not make you a follower. Going to Christian concerts, going to Christian conferences, attending camp every summer, does not make you a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay? But listen to this. It's really, really, really unusual for any person to rejoice in tribulations. Wouldn't you say? It's really strange that someone would just rejoice in tribulations. But you know what the character of a Christian is? That that will be there at some point. That will be there. To say, thank you, God. Thank you for what you allow. To bring about what? Hard times? Sweating? Difficulty? No. To bring about Christ-likeness in your life. To draw you closer to the Lord in your walk with him. Okay? So, it, we could then say, really, it, it can be usual, typical, for the Christian to thank God for the trials. That's what, it, that's what the standard is given here in this chapter. Why? Why would a Christian give thanks to God? Yeah, for for drawing you nearer, for helping you to become more like Christ. It displays, listen, it displays your trust in a sovereign God. When we complain, and that's all we can do, that magnifies the circumstances. So God's working in you, Christian, to bring about praise in His holy name. Praise in His good pleasure. Do we always understand it? No. It also reveals the hope that we have in His purposes. In His being glorified. 
Okay? So, the emphasis here under faithful followers is really about the reception of the Word of God. The NIV says, you welcomed the message. Okay? You welcomed the message of the gospel. Now, here's the, here's the catch. This is in the Greek. This is in the past tense. So it's, it's like here's a one-time deal. You receive the word of God in tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. But I want to challenge you in this way, my friend, believer, brother and sister in Christ, that when you face difficulty, what's happening in your life? Are you welcoming the word when you face the trial? Are you welcoming the word as counsel for your life from God? Or what happens if when the hard times hit that you just maintain a a gripey attitude, murmuring? And so here's a sign of authentic gospel living is how are you receiving the word of God? Listen, we're in a day and age where... Um, I'm, I'm, let me say this first. I'm very grateful that you've chosen to use your time in this way. I'm grateful for those of you that come to Sunday school faithfully. You, you go to a home Bible study faithfully. You go to a women's or a men's study or a student ministry time. I'm grateful for that. Okay? But a lot of times we can have it on the radio. We can have it at home. And it's like... It's there all the time. Is it really something that is making a difference and bringing about change in our lives? Because I can get kind of calloused in my hearing, calloused in my heart about spiritual things. And so it's important that we come back to this place of humbling ourselves before God and hungering for His Word, knowing that that's what will help us in the long run. That's what will bring about Christ-likeness for us. Okay? So, and this, the business about reception of the Word of God, mark down Matthew 13. Matthew 13 is where Jesus talks about it in the parable of the, the sower. Okay? The, the, the seed got sown on a certain kind of ground, and because of tribulation and persecution, it, it sprang up quickly and was done with. Nothing. There wasn't any real growth. And so what happens when persecution and trouble hit us is the word held on to, is the word heeded, is the word of God you know, carried along within our lives. I'm telling you, this is an issue. This is an issue in Christians' lives. Christian, if you will stop in the midst of your difficulty and in the trial that you're going through, just ask yourself, am I thinking of what the Word of God says? Am I receiving that? Am I welcoming that? I tell you, a good concordance, strong concordance, and Nave's topical Bible, excellent tools. If you don't have them, you need to get them. If you have extras, share them. You know, you know give them to others so that you can look for yourself into the things of God's Word as to what's troubling you and what God says about it. Because God wants to bring change. His change. His Son's image upon your life. Letter B, it brings about faithful 
examples. There's a difference between faithful followers and faithful examples. And the word used there is tupos, where we get the word type. Or the idea of the, old, uh, the, the seal that the king or the official would use, and he would press it into the wax, and he'd put it down and stamp it right there. That tool, that's the idea of a, here's a type. And it's striking or making an impression. That's what an example is about. And here's, again, here's Mark's song saying, thank you for being an example to me. Thank you for serving the Lord. You showed an example. So it's like the idea of a mold or a form. And the point of this is the gospel produces faithful followers and faithful examples to bring about maturity. That, that's the difference. Is that a, an example in the Christian walk, in the Christian faith now, is about maturity. Maturity in Christ. Maturity in the things of God. That you understand more and more the things of His Word. Listen, all of us are examples of one thing or another. You're an example. Maybe you're an example of being really on fire for the Lord. Maybe you're an example of being lukewarm. But you are an example. God's design is for you in following Jesus that your life matures. As your life matures in the things of God's Word, you are an example of what these guys were an example of. Look at verse 7. So that you became an example to all the believers in that area, in that region, Macedonia, Achaia. And the Bible is clear about what to be an example in. Not that you're all a great orator, great public... No, it's not about public speaking. It's about personal things like this. In your speech, in your conduct, in your love, in your faith, in your purity... You're to be an example. See, if you're a Christian, there's not a different class of Christians here where, oh, I'm just a Christian. And he, he's a disciple. Because disciples, they're really serious about it. No, no, no. There were the same terms used. You're a Christian, you're a disciple. Now, here in this context, we could say, well, yeah, here's a follower, an imitator. See the little child, you know, eventually Maverick's going to start walking, you know, and he'll start, you know, following steps and see, because he sees daddy or mommy and he's going to, you know, do all that stuff. Imitating. You're a little child. You're imitating. But at some point you mature. You're maturing in the things of the word. Now you're showing, here's an example. And there's, there's crossover in that. I understand. So. The Bible also says this about being an example. Older men, you're to be an example to younger men. Older women, you're to be an example to younger women in the faith. And fathers, fathers especially, I say it to fathers and mothers, but fathers, this is what our nation needs. This is what our country needs. This is what our community needs. They need fathers that will be godly men, that will stand for the what's right, stand up for the right things. So, you have a responsibility, fathers, of exemplifying love for Jesus to your children. And that's a challenge 
because we fall into ruts at home. Real easy to do it at home because, hey, no one's watching. We need to watch what we're doing at home because your little, those little eyes of the, your children, however many there are, whatever kind of multitude of eyes are watching, you are an example. And again, older men, you be an example to younger men. Older women, you be an example. That's something that needs to you know, carry on and perpetuate in our fellowship here. Okay? So, what does the gospel produce? Faithful followers and faithful examples. Number two, what the gospel promotes. Verse 8. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. The gospel promotes a, letter A, a resounding message. What does that mean? The word of the Lord has sounded forth. Okay? It's like when, when Wade, when he's here, plays the drums, and all of a sudden you hear that crash of the cymbal. That's re- reverberating. That's sounding forth. Or it's the trumpet call. That's sounding forth for, for it to be reverberating. Is with a, a trumpet call, with a striking of the cymbal. Why? Why? Because this, listen, this message is just no little child's play thing. This is a, this is a radical message. You can't just bat an eye at it. Say, oh, that's, that's nice. If that's the case, your heart is dark, darkened in, in spiritual uh, darkness. Okay? The resounding message is sounded forth from these people because of the radical message. Think about the nature of the gospel message. Think with me here. A couple of things. Number one, it's amazing in its offer. If you've not come to faith in Christ, you know, your, your sins are still on you. You're not forgiven. You, you have to deal with your own standing with God and, and you're not gonna, that's not gonna fly. You won't, you won't be accepted. You won't be brought in. But when you're a believer, your sins are clean. You're, you, you've been forgiven. You've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Christ's righteousness is upon you. It's checked on your account. God looks and He says, enter in. Why? You're forgiven. It's because of Christ's righteousness. Okay? So it's an amazing offer. But it's also very confrontive in its nature. Because it won't let you just carry on in your sin. It's like no other. It's also, the nature of the gospel is it's grounded in truth. And here's one example of it being grounded in truth. Is the Bible true about man's nature? Is What the Bible says, is it true about the nature of mankind? You bet. Because you you spend ten minutes watching the news. And you see the nature of the gospel. It's true about the condition of mankind. And thus it's, here is also, it is also true about Jesus Christ. Here's what God accomplished. 
He accomplished it. Now, Christian, you walk in His righteousness. You walk and you stand in what He's done for you. And you glory in that. And yes, that, that trickles down, if I could use that term, to all the little things of our lives. So, it's tested and true also. The nature of the gospel, it's tested and true. <laughs> Look at the, the volumes. Look at the multitudes of people that have given their lives for Jesus Christ. Just the 12 disciples, you know, they gave their very lives for the cause of the gospel. And they knew that it wasn't a lie. <laughs> they saw Jesus. And then they saw him rise over the grave. They would not have given their lives for a lie. <laughs> it's amazing. Tested and true. No one has done what Jesus Christ has done. No one. No one is greater than what he has done. So, it's a, a resounding message. Letter B, it's a far-reaching message. It's gone forth. It's spread abroad. It's become known everywhere. Word travels fast, doesn't it? I mean, we know that here in Fallon. You know that? Word travels fast. Okay? Now, we're talking about the wrong things with an example of Fallon and the word traveling fast. A lot of times it's gossip going on. That's not good. When was the last time we heard the report just here in Fallon, of a story like this, Artura coming to faith in Christ, or a church that's really um, doing something exciting and Jesus Christ is being honored. You know, when we hear of those reports, there's, there's a good report. There's a good thing. And this message of the gospel here for the Thessalonians, this spread. And my fear is that our message isn't really about the gospel when we Talk about what's going on at church with our friends, with our neighbors, with our co-workers. It's more about maybe a program that's going on. We're, we're, we're good with saying, hey, come to the concert. Come to the Thanksgiving dessert time. Those, and that's good. That's good. But we don't get to saying, hey, can I talk to you about um, what you believe about Jesus Christ and, and what, the, what I've learned? You know, things like that. That's just an example. So, the idea of it being a far-reaching message, it's spread, it's traveled about, and we can connect it to the idea of, here's this very presentation, international students. Right? There's a way to spread the message. And it's not about, well, Parkside Bible Fellowship did this or that. No, it's about, what, what is Jesus Christ doing? And that's what we want to partake in. That's why we support missionaries. And it is. It's exciting. Here's an example from Chris that, you know, is being presented. An example of what, what's taken place over the years, what God's done in, in her life and in others. So as we wrap up point number two, let me ask this. What really, this is important. What really sounds forth from your life? What really sounds forth from your life? Does it look more like the gospel or is it about some church tradition or is it about you? The more we can say, my message that's sounding forth is about the gospel, 
Yes, that's when we all say, oh yeah, isn't that great? That's exciting. So, not just sounding forth from my life, but what goes forth from my life may be unspoken. What, what, what goes forth from my life? Is that a good example to those around me, to my family, to my work and co-workers? See, this is what God's wanting. This is what God wants to accomplish. What do others say about your message? What do other people think of what's sounding forth from your life? Can I, um, can I talk about Jesus for more than two minutes? Or can I talk about uh, college sports or whatever for, you know, what can I talk about more? See, that's the idea that we come to grips with this kind of thing because, look, we're going to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. Let's grow now in the things that he has for us now. So, evidence. These are evidences of authentic Christianity. You receive the word of the gospel gladly. You live in daily dependence upon him. So we come to the third point. What the gospel preserves. What the gospel preserves. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will complete it. So this is what started. When you came to faith in Christ, you started walking after Jesus, imitating. And then as you grew, example came upon saying, Oh, look at so-and-so. They're, they're doing it. They're, they memorize the word. They treasure Jesus and the things about Jesus. And so there's two things about what the gospel preserves. And letter A under number three is a close walk. A close walk. Now, all that is getting at is what he says in verse 9. Look at verse 9. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you and how you, look at it, how you, what? Turned to God from idols. To serve a living and true God. That happened when you came to salvation. That happened when you were justified. But you know what? It ought to continue happening throughout your life. Are you done fighting with idol worship in your life? You all done with that? If you have, come and talk to me. I'd like to know what your secret is. See, little idols sneak in to the heart. All sorts. Okay? But this is a, listen, this is a solid testimony given about these people and how they turned to God. And like I say, this can be viewed as one's conversion to faith in Christ. But it's also what's ongoing in your life. It's where a person is drawn by God to recognition of their need for a Savior. Drawn by God through the revelation of His Holy Word. Okay? It's the Word of God that we keep coming back to in this. For If there's going to be change in your life, we keep going back to the Word of God that the Spirit of God uses to bring about change. And it says they turn to God from idols. Okay? And from is what really is highlighted in this little phrase. From indicates a thorough conversion. Now what's an idol? Well, Old Testament tells us it was all about these graven images. 
You know, and some of the people in the Bible were carrying them around in their sacks or in their camels. Hey, you know, where are we going to put the graven image today? You know, we moved into a new location and the tent set up. Uh, let's put the graven image over here. You know, you say, who is that? Abraham, hello. You know, different, um, different things that served as items of worship. What are graven images? Simply, listen, simply an expression of one's heart. A graven image was an expression of their hearts. What they wanted. It's what they wanted. When they built up the golden calf, it's what they wanted. So they could continue doing their partying. They didn't want to, you know, they, you know they, they put the little label over it saying, well, we'll worship Jehovah here. A cow? A golden calf? It allowed them to carry on in their sin. Okay? And we say, well, we don't have graven images anymore. No, we don't take the wood piece and carve it up and, and do all that stuff. No. But we still have idols. And really, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 19 and 20, that idols are nothing. Idols are just nothing. But we are attracted to that, and so we set it up. here. It's like we're setting it up as a little idol in our lives. What's it about? Something that we, listen, something that we would find satisfaction in. And it becomes an idol. It's my, it's my bank account. I find satisfaction in that. It's my uh, whatever uh, recreational life. Whatever I do in that, it, that. There it is. I find satisfaction in that. Now, is it wrong to find satisfaction in going four-wheeling? No. Nothing wrong with it. But we have to dis- discern where... Has it crossed the line and become an idol? We got to, you know, each one of us has to examine that and evaluate it. So he says, you've turned, and this is your close, here's a cl- for a close walk, maintaining a close walk with the Lord, they turn to God from idols to what? What does the next phrase say? To serve the true and living God, or the living and true God. To serve. And that's not a one-time deal, is it? That's an ongoing issue. That's an ongoing lifestyle. And you know what we're really called? We're slaves. Don't you like to be called a slave? Great. I'm a slave. Listen, you're either a slave of sin or you're a slave of God. And so the more we understand that and say, I'm going to go with this. I want to I serve the living and true God. Why does he say living? He's, he's putting out a contrast here. It's not like the lifeless idols that you worshipped in the past. Okay, why does he say living? Well, I, I'm sorry, but that's living. The, then true, why does he tra- say true? Because it's not like the false gods who, they're a scam. They're all a scam. Jesus Christ is the, the truth, the way, the truth, and life. We've said this before, uh, a quote from John Piper, a pastor and author and speaker back in Minneapolis. And he says this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him and that really helps you christian to keep walking in a close way with him because what are you really getting satisfied about so what the gospel preserves is a close walk for his reign in us 
And then letter B, it's, it preserves a close watch. A close watch for his return. Okay? Look at verse 10. We, come to, we turn to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. To wait for his son from heaven. Well, it's very simple. It's to expect it. It's to anticipate it. Okay? He's coming again. Acts chapter 1 said, you know, the angels turned to the disciples to say, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. You with me? Okay. Here's the thing. It all goes back, the proof of this all goes back to one event. The resurrection of Jesus. If he's truly risen up from the grave, he will come back. And you can bet on it. The times tell us otherwise. The, the times, well, we say, oh, the times show that he's... Re-. I'm talking about to the, the secular, the, the worldly. They say, oh, things, we'll get things better. We'll get things better. No, Jesus Christ will return. John chapter 14 also. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. If it were not so, I would have told you. I I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. What are you going to do with that? Are you ready? Are you ready? You say you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Have you been changed by the gospel? Does it line up with what we see here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1? Marks of a model church. They became imitators of Christ. They welcomed the word of God with joy. The word of God sounded forth from them. They became examples of repentance. They became examples of serving God. And they are expecting his return. Is this you? Is this something that we can see how we need to, you know, re- realize here's the standard. And it's normal Christianity. Normal. See, the problem is we've got a lot of counterfeit stuff that we bite into and take a hold of and run with. And we've got to keep coming back to the Word of God to examine things like the Bereans. Keep coming back to examine, is this really of, the, of, of God? And as you go to the Word of God, you're, you're saying, oh, I'm receiving it. I want to welcome it into my life as counsel in my life. I want to encourage you today. You know, we need to spend more time in the Word of God to have it show that, oh yeah, that is, that's something that they're not just making up. And this is a part of my relationship with Jesus no, this is really from the Word of God. So, is this me? Is this you? And I ask as a, in a corporate kind of a way, in a group way, are you in on this? Okay? Let's determine, with God's help, with God's grace, God's Spirit being with us, and His Word to guide us, let's be in on this. Let's ask Him to do a change in us so that the message sounding forth from our lives reflects the gospel of Jesus Christ. That people need a Savior. They're sinners. They'll face God's wrath for their own sin. But Jesus came and 
rescued us. And we're going to talk about that next week. Here's a reason to be thankful. The last part of verse 10. And we'll study that next week. Let's stand together in closing prayer. God wants you and I to mature in our faith. Most all of you claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you, you know that you're not a believer, I, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to point you to the God who has provided the gift of salvation, the gift of salvation for you on your behalf. And it's all to resound back to His glory. Please bow with me. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.